Welcome to the Stull Community of Faith podcast. May you be blessed as you listen to our Sunday scripture and message by Pastor Kyle Scheidemann. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Do not tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. There was a uh, there was a brilliant magician. I mean, the guy was really good. And he was doing his act up on, a, on an ocean liner, cruise. But every time he did a trick, the captain's parrot would, would say, It's a trick! He's a phony! It's no magic! And then one evening during a storm, The ship sank while the magician was in his act. And for several days, the parrot and the magician were on the same lifeboat. And they just stared at each other. Neither would say a word to one another. And finally, the parrot said, Okay, I give up. What did you do with the ship? You see, the parrot couldn't explain that last trick. It was, it was just too much to comprehend, even for a very smart parrot. Peter said to Jesus, he said, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. So, so let us put up three shelters. One for you and one for, Mo, for Moses, one for Elijah. You know, scholars over all these years, they have been trying to figure out what in the world Peter meant by this suggestion. But I think trying to find meaning to these words is really pointless. It's simply the way that Matthew explains it. He said, Peter was frightened. 
And he just said the very first thing that came to his mind and came to his head. He simply could not comprehend what was happening. You know, in life, moments occur to us that are incomprehensible. The, the birth of one's own child is one of these moments. The loss of a loved one is one of these moments. There are mountaintop and valley moments throughout our lives, and we're never really ready for them. They arrive unannounced. They change us in irreversible ways. But there is one thing that they all have in common. They demand that we be silent and we listen. And these moments have something to say to us. They have something to teach us. But too often our responses are that of like Peter. We're, we're babbling absurdities because we can't understand the significance of it, the meaning of the moment. And when Peter finally quit talking nonsense, this cloud appears and it envelops them. And the voice of God gives this instruction to Peter, James, and John. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. That's it. Very short, right to the point. What Peter said made no sense. What God said had a mountain of meaning. And I'd like to spend just a few moments this morning unpacking the, the meaning of it. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. There's a mountain of meaning in those words. Let's look at the first idea. This is my son. This has been the life of Christ is one of the, the more strange and, and therefore the more difficult to understand. It has been described as being an epiphany. It has been given the name the transfiguration. And we use big names when we, we can't understand something. But there is something very clear about the words that were spoken in this, in this, this obscure event. This is my son. Jesus earlier had been with his disciples discussing who he was. And Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? And, and his disciples reply, well, they think maybe you're Elijah or, or maybe you're Jeremiah. Some of them think that you're John the Baptist. But Jesus then asked his disciples, he said, okay, but who do you say that I am? Remember Peter's answer? Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. It was about the same time Herod 
had learned about Jesus. And he thought maybe that Jesus was actually John the Baptist that had been brought back from the dead. You know, he, Herod had John beheaded. And now Herod is worried. He thought that John had come back and he was going to come and get him. And so all these questions are surfacing about the identity of who Jesus is. There should be no question that the disciples are having their doubts. And so Jesus takes this inner circle of his, this circle of trust, he takes them up the mountain so that they can have more of a private encounter. And it is here that they learn in a definitive way of just who Jesus really is. He is none other than the Son of God. No other source could have been more convincing. They hear it, they hear heaven, and there is a mountain of meaning in that. You know, there have been some big events in the life of Israel. There have been the Exodus, uh, Moses, you know, and the Ten Commandments. Uh, David had been appointed king. Uh, then there was the return from, uh, from exile in Babylon. But there was nothing any bigger than this. This was not a, another in a long history of God's action shaping the world's history. This, this was God in first person. Here was God's very own son. And it's surprising then that we learn in Luke's gospel that the disciples fell asleep in the middle of this mountain of meaning, they doze off. Remember, back when we were kids, we read about Rip Van Winkle. Remember Rip Van Winkle? He, he was, uh, you know, he's on the quiet spot on the banks of, of, of the Hudson River, and he fell asleep. He didn't wake up for 20 years. And on that day, the sign on his favorite tavern was, it read King George III, King of England, and he was a subject of the British crown. And then when old Rip, he woke up some 20 years later, King George had been replaced by George Washington. And now he's an American citizen. The tragedy is he slept through a revolution while he snored and was oblivious to his surroundings. There was fantastic earth-shaking events that were taking place right around him. And this is what happened to the disciples. They were oblivious to all that was taking place. But don't be too critical of the disciples at this point. Many times, you and I, we have our heads in the clouds as well enclosed in our own little worlds. We lose sight of a larger world and we sleep through great events. And this was not another act of God in the life of Israel. This was a fulfillment of all the past events. This was the culmination of all the ages. This was the hopes and fears of all the years. This was God's son. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. There's a mountain of meaning in those words. Let's look at the second idea. Whom I love. 
The disciples were hearing from heaven itself. This is my son, whom I love. I suppose that you could say that there were many whom God has loved. There was Adam, but Adam disappointed him. Abraham believed God that he would have a son and he offered up his son as a sacrifice, but even Abraham tried to force God's hand by laying with the maidservant and having Ishmael. David was a, a man after God's own heart, but he abused the power that he was given. Solomon was wise beyond his years, but he brought idolatry to the land. Isaiah was a great prophet, but he was a man of unclean lips. And you can travel all through the pages of biblical history and you're going to find many whom God loved. But there is no finality to any of these. In Christ, God's love is complete. There is no malice. There is no disobedience. There is no sin in him. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Again, there is a mountain of meaning in these words. Let's look at the third idea. Let's listen to him. I suppose that this is where most of the problems exist. Throughout history, it, is, it has not been difficult for many non-Christians to believe that Jesus was a son of God. Many religions throughout the ages agreed with this concept, nor do they take issue with the idea that God was pleased with Jesus' life. God assuredly would love any man who advocated the things and did the things that Jesus did. But listen, listen to him. Ah, well, you know, that's a whole nother matter altogether. Most of the pain in this world is due to man's unwillingness to listen, to obey. Ellie Weisel tells the story of a prophet who came to a city and, and delivered his message every day in the marketplace. And after a time, his, his ranting just, become, just became a fixture of the city's life. And, and people around him, they just regarded him, you know, with amusement. And when they regarded him, they regarded him at all. And finally, there was a small boy. And he was pitying this, this old man. He approached him one day and he said, Sir, he said, why do you keep crying aloud like this every day, year after year? He said, the people here, they no longer listen to you. I gave up hope that they would listen to me a long time ago, said the prophet. I go on crying lest I begin to listen to them. So in the journey to Jerusalem, the disciples were given a real genuine moment. 
a transparent thing happens to them with clarity that Christ above all men pleases God and above all others speaks for God. It is this glimpse that will sustain their discipleship in the future. They will continue to cry out into a world that just simply really does not want to hear them. They don't want to listen. But for those who will listen, they will find a, find a mountain of meaning here on the mountain of transfiguration. They will learn from heaven itself, this is my son, whom I love, if they will listen. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this mountainous lesson we learned today. And we too should be like those disciples when God comes and says, listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. He's my son. And so Lord, as we approach Lent, as we come back on Wednesday for Ash Wednesday, as we wear our sackcloth, as we, we put ashes on our forehead in remorse, as we take the next 40 days to, to examine our life and our life with our risen Savior on his travels through temptation and through everything he's going to endure. Lord, be with us as we make that trip. And I just pray, Lord, that we too, we will come upon that mountain, our own mountain, and be transfigured as the Lord was. This is my prayer. Amen.